Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good afternoon. Um, great to see you all having a nice wee chat. Um, I was obviously too keen and got up a wee bit early, but, um, but yeah, it was lovely to watch you all enjoy yourselves. I'm Lauren, and I'm the Connection Pastor here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, so it's so good to see you. Um, and in order to give you a little bit of an introduction um, as to who I am beyond my name, um, I thought, well, I could give you a couple of fun facts about myself. Or, But actually, I really felt that given what I'm going to talk a little bit about um, this afternoon, um, that I was to just kind of tell you that my beginning at LVV was very different than you see today. You see, I was utterly broken, physically ill, not able to stand the length of a few worship songs, anxious, and just emotionally spent. I was quite simply done. Grieving a life that I hadn't got to live and struggling with losing health and relationships that I once had. And boy, has it been a journey to this point. And with that being said, I just really wanted to welcome you wherever you're at today and remind you just as Mark led us a couple of weeks ago in acknowledging our limits and also a Jesus who in human form embraced his limits too, that today wherever you're at, God is unlimited in his reach of you. So you are welcome here in his presence. Over the last month, we have been challenged through our summer series um, called The Rebuild. We believe that this is what God is speaking to us, his church. And some of you might wonder, like, what are you rebuilding? Well, we are rebuilding, or God is building, rebuilding in us, um, to be a people passionately pursuing God's, that love God and that love others really, really well. And this rebuilding in our lives takes the work of surrendering our lives, but not just part of our lives, all of it body, soul, and spirit surrendering. And today we're going to tackle an area that we just really feel as a church and even as a season of life at the minute that is worth tackling in order to rebuild. And that is the area of grief and loss. So on that note, I'm going to take a breath and we're going to pray because if you don't need the prayer, um, I will. Um, So yeah, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this moment. We worship you. We wait on you and we just say, come. God who has no limits, come and meet us right where we feel limited, right where we are grieving right where we have lost, come, 
Amen. I know so many of you have experienced loss. Church is different. Relationships have changed. There just seems to be loss everywhere. The unexpected death, illness, anxiety, trauma, divorce, lockdowns, the expected in transitions in relationships, our environments, our workplaces, our expectations versus the reality of our lives. And rather than just forget about it and move on, it's just so important that we actually process it. Processing grief and loss really, really well. So my question as we begin is, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? Are you grieving? Have you lost? How are you doing? Together, as we rebuild, let's talk about grief and loss. Because in my experience, whether, to be honest, I really like to admit it or not, but I've noticed something that when God is on your journey, in the grief and in the loss, there are treasures buried that we can discover. And with that, we're gonna turn to his word and we're gonna start at the very beginning in Genesis 1, verses 1 to 4. So feel free, if you have a Bible, grab it. Um, Otherwise, you'll see that it is on the screen behind me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And the creation story continues. It was good. It was very good. And then the following chapters describing the treasure of Eden, gold, gems, it really was full of treasure. Yet Adam and Eve deceived, make a devastating decision, ignoring their God-given limits, and they sin. And here enters the greatest grief and loss, their intimacy with God himself. Yet as we move through his word, the story of which we too are a part of, he teaches us that his story didn't end in the grief and loss of Eden, nor does ours. You see, when we follow Jesus, he shows us how to discover the treasure in all our own grief and loss. If you're anything though like me, it challenges me to put grief and loss in the same sentence as treasure. It feels uncomfortable, even just wrong, pure wrong. 
grief and loss is something I want to bury, I want to pray it away, I want there to be no trace of it, uncovered, any memory of it completely removed. You see, I want Eden the way it was when everything was declared very good. And I don't know if you can relate to that too, this longing for Eden the way it really was. Yet in my every attempt to deny it, to get over it, I demolish what God wants to be given access to in order to love God and love others really well. You see, that's what we're rebuilding. Pete Scazzaro, who you will have noted that throughout this summer series, lots of us are coding. He summarizes the two primary reasons for our allergic state of grief and loss as our resistance to losing control and faulty theology that interprets losses as interruptions. And boy, have I done that myself. You see, grief and loss recognized requires our surrender. A turning from our training to pay attention to success and being able to fix things, deeming loss as weakness, and a turning to God, acknowledging that the burying it way of living is in itself as unbuilt, not rebuilt. See, grief and loss, none of us really like to talk about it because it does require some surrender. However, treasure, on the other hand, well, I don't know about you, but I love treasure. So let's talk about that for a bit. Growing up every holiday, we would go gem hunting, and I have a couple of my fellow gem hunters here with me this morning. We discovered what to us was a secret cove in Portaferry, and we would dig, like we would just go after the treasure. We would remove stones and rocks and sand until there it was glistening treasure gems, glass, all shapes and sizes, but no longer sharp and cutting, but smooth and polished. See, glass shards buried, processed through the tossing of the waves, the battering against rocks, processed to become treasure ready to be displayed. The bottle once perfectly planned, designed, filled, emptied, broken, thrown away. Now, treasure, treasure to be held, to be admired, to be displayed. You see, loss, not grieved, accumulates in our souls like heavy stones that weigh us down. Stones that, like gem hunting, need to be acknowledged. Broken glass needing to be smoothed. 
The process is hard, don't get me wrong. It's heart rendering, but it's rebuilding and it's necessary. In the Bible, we read countless stories of grief and loss displayed. We read Adam and Eve in the garden. We read the story of Noah about God's own grief. Esther, Daniel, Job, all 35 chapters of which we read of an anguished, depressed and suicidal man. Ecclesiastes even reminds us that there's a time to mourn and a time to weep. Yet again, we cringe even reading those words. And Jesus, we read of his cry and his loud tears at Gethsemane when he is totally and utterly overwhelmed. You see, God is not afraid of your grief. If you're here and you're grieving, he is not afraid. And therefore, we just want to give you permission in this moment to just be honest with him, to be open with him, to be bold with him, because he is not afraid. But if that's the case, and if what he's calling us into is the process, just like the gems, if he's calling us to that, how do we do it? How do we even start? Where do we begin? Well, again, may I say our friend Pete um, helpfully defines three stages of the processing. And before I even move on to those three stages, I want to make something really, really clear that I am by no means saying, tick these three boxes, guys, and you are sweet. You're out the door and can move on. No, if anything, today we sit here to talk about grief and loss, to say that it is not one conversation and we're done. If anything, we actually want to go against the cultural norm of saying, pull yourself together, and we say, no, we wanna actually challenge you to dig a little deeper, wait a little longer, and however that process looks for you, that's okay. There are three stages that I'm gonna mention, but again, don't get me wrong, it might not be one, two, three, it might be three, two, one, or one, three, who knows, four. Like, we just want, I just want you to know that. But there are three stages that in the process of grief and loss, whether you're dealing with that right now or whether you will be in the future, and um, they're really, really helpful. So on that note, one, pay attention to pain. Body, soul, spirit, what is actually going on? We need to wait, and that requires all our strength to discipline ourselves, to not run away, but to ask God, what is it that we are suppressing and depressing that in, in, in 
Fact is begging to be grieved, lamented, processed, before and with our Father God. And again, with our Father God, not on our own, with him. And you see that process, yes, it can take time, and yes, it requires us to wait, and that waiting can, of course, be confusing. And that's actually okay, because the next stage is indeed that, it is wait in the confusing in between. You see, the waiting list of the Bible goes something like Abraham and Sarah, who waited 25 years, to Joseph, 10, Moses, 40. We have Hannah, Elizabeth, and even Jesus, from the birth to the beginning of his mission, waited 30 years. They all waited, and it's here that the surrender happens as they grapple with losing their plans for God's greater plan. They encounter the confusion of where is God? Why God? What on earth is happening, God? And when, God? Oh, when? You see, it's in this waiting process that the exchange happens, that we are thrust to depend on him and that we are thrust to the cross. And this is the point. The point is, Jesus, that we come back to him because he is actually the answer for us coming ever through it. Stripped yet untangled, emptied yet purpose to be refilled. You see, waiting defies our humanness. It contradicts culture and therefore it is in itself a miracle. The miracle of patient surrender as we acknowledge his timing is not our own. And boy, is that the surrender, the surrender of our timing to his. But woe is that the miracle of patience in our lives. You see, our waiting is not wasted. And if you're believing that lie today that it is wasted and that you need to just try another way or do something different. I just want this to be a moment where that lie is broken and just receive that truth that no, your waiting is not wasted and he is with you in that process. The psalmist writes in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that he is God. Again, that is the miracle. Being still requires our all sometimes, but it's in that stillness that often we then know that yes, 
He is indeed God. So one, pay attention to pain. Two, waiting in that confusing in-between. And yes, it's confusing and that's okay. It's normal. And three, we move into the phase of allowing the old to birth the new. God taking what was broken, bruised, even dead, and indeed unveiling a treasure. Jesus died to give us life and to make way for the new. But my question is, can we dare to trust him with our grief and our loss? And I appreciate that that's a really hard question. It's one that I find being honest that I've spent a long time grappling with and just as I reach that moment of like, yeah, God, I trust you with everything, there's another layer that I just need to do a bit more work on. Can I dare to trust him? Can you dare to trust him with your grief and your loss? Look at Jesus. In Matthew 26, 36, shortly after the Last Supper, Jesus heads to another garden, a garden that our humanness looks at as being so far from Eden and its goodness. Yet little did we know. Gethsemane. Gethsemane meaning oil press and I find it interesting to do a little bit of digging um, around the meaning of that. And culturally, olive oil in that time was a main source of fuel for light. Do you remember in Genesis 1, in the beginning, when God created light and it was good? It was also a source of health and used for countless medical treatments at the time. It was used for worship. It was used for anointing. The very word Christ actually meaning anointed one. And yet the oil is only acquired by crushing the fruit. You see, without pressure, nothing better would be attained. The olive's properties wouldn't reach their full potential. And that oil, that oil can flow in our lives too. Out of the crushing of grief and loss, in the pain and in the trauma. You see, we, know, we may not see its beauty, but recognize there is anointing. There is an authority that comes and is given to you that only comes from having gone through. There is a light that shines that is fueled through the suffering, a healing that happens in every area of our lives, not always how we imagine it, or in the timing we desire, but there is a deep healing that will indeed overflow into the lives of others 
who we too can relate to and minister to. And there is a worship and an offering of our brokenness that in we can truly pray as Jesus did. In Matthew 26, 39. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but what you will. Those three stages. Jesus did all three. Jesus paid attention to his pain. He waited in the confusing in between. And he allowed the old to give birth to the new. You see, we all have Good Friday seasons when we ask like Jesus did in Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In all his humanness, Jesus says to you, to me, in the processing of grief and loss, I know how you feel. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In all his humanness, Jesus says to you and to me, in the processing of grief and loss, I know how you feel. I don't know about you, but it's actually right there that I discover treasure. To think that in a moment of grief, in a moment of loss, that right there Jesus would actually say to me, I know how you feel, that's treasure. You see this cry, is the beginning recital of Psalm 22 that ends in a victorious declaration and they will all declare that it is finished. We cannot remove the story of Eden and Gethsemane nor can we erase Golgotha from the reality of our life together with Christ. You see God in human flesh with scars, we too have scars and you may have lost and you may grieve, yet this is the moment to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus and discover the treasure that he has hidden for us in this moment you and I find ourselves in. And as I prepared this and just sat in the process, I really felt like God was actually inviting us today to do just that, to rather than rush on into the next paragraph of my talk, but to pause and to remember Jesus suffered, yet he chose to trust God. To celebrate Jesus who endured the cross 
and how his suffering opened up the door for us to live in hope. In the midst of suffering at this table, we have the opportunity to do the same. If you're moving towards Jesus, regardless of whether you're sprinting or stumbling or somewhere in between, and particularly if you're suffering right now, particularly if you're struggling in that right now, you're just welcome to join in. And before we share the bread and the wine together, let me read the Last Supper account to you. Again, feel free to read along. It's in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. And on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to the Lord for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. So let's share this meal together and you will have been given um, a little pack on your way in. If you haven't, please just let us know and we can get you one. But firstly, let's share in the bread together as you open it now. We remember you, Jesus, your body broken for us. Let's share in the wine together. We celebrate you, Jesus, your death and resurrection that brings us resurrection life. And God, right now we choose you, Jesus, and we thank you that your scars became a gateway of hope and belief as you revealed them to your disciples and in doing so to us too. You revealed the treasure that grief and loss have an end and you, God, do not. So we look to you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus and we receive you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
The key to finding treasure buried in grief and loss is journeying through the garden, just like Jesus did. Pay attention to the pain, wait in the confusing in-between, and allow the old to give birth to the new. As it's in this process that you see the treasure of intimacy with God restored as you get a revelation of him. Your heart softened as you open up in honesty with him. Revelation of yourself and with that comes greater integrity. You see, you truly you become truly alive, more like Jesus, a reflection of him. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, on the hope that awaits us in his presence, in a new garden, a city made for us and him. You see, there is treasure to be discovered. From Genesis to Jesus, right through to Revelation, there is treasure buried to be found within grief and loss. And we read of his treasure to come still in Revelation, in 21, three to five. And having started at Genesis one, I wanna finish and come into land in this passage. That if right now life looks a little hopeless, if the pain a little too painful, if the trauma a bit too blunt, listen to what's to come. I heard a loud loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is nigh among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. You see, there is hope for you for me and for this world. And sometimes, yes, it requires us to pay attention to pain, to wait in the confusing in between, but then the promise that allow the old to birth in you because he is making everything new. And on that note, I just want to invite us into this moment of worship. As yes, we've kind of done like a whirlwind 
message on grief and loss that yes, I appreciate we could sit in for months. We could have it on repeat every year because yes, there is grief and there is loss in this lifetime. But what I want you to do in this moment is just focus your eyes in a moment of stillness on Jesus, on the cross. The cross that might represent crucifixion and death, but actually in that moment when people watched Jesus die on the cross, little did they know maybe at that time that actually it was going to be a massive symbol of hope because he came back to life for us and he conquered death. So we're gonna, um, the band is gonna come and they are gonna lead us in a song. And um, as I practiced it this morning, I was um, sitting here or standing here and um, it has to be said that it is, it is kind of one of my favorites. Um, as it brought back the memory quite strongly of um, growing up and um, in my childhood that I wasn't very well and, and I wouldn't sleep very well at night and I had a cassette tape player and a borrowed cassette tape and this song was right in the middle of the cassette tape and I would be awake during the night and I would lie there in bed and I would just press down the play button and it would play through and it would get to the end of the song and I knew that if I counted eight seconds back while pushing in the rewind button and if I let go and press play it again, it was perfect timing and I would do this sometimes right through the night. Play, play, play. And I would be still and know that he is God. And yes, it was confusing. And yeah, it was painful. But it took that to allow the old to give birth to something new. And that new might not have ever been what I really had planned or what I thought it would look like. But there still was treasure. And I really want you to listen to this song, to soak in it, to be still in it, to encounter his presence to experience his glory and know his power because it's available for you right now, right where you are. So just receive it. Go for it. Yeah, his name is Jesus and he is the Lord. And if you're here today and if there's some, whatever it is that you're facing, but if there is something that just feels that it is impossible, I just feel like the Lord would wanna remind you that no, His name is Jesus and He is the Lord. And, and just look to the cross, the perfect reminder of the impossible that was made possible as Jesus died and he rose again. He came back to life. I think sometimes that language can wash over our brains a little bit of like how he died and he rose again, but actually
actually, when you think about it, that was pretty impossible stuff. But no, His name is Jesus and He is the Lord. So we speak right now with the authority of children of God and we speak to that that feels or that seems impossible. And God, we just declare it really simply that Your name is Jesus and You are the Lord. And we therefore declare, Lord, that all things are possible with You. God, we bring you grief and we bring you loss. We bring you our pain and we bring you our trauma. And sometimes that in itself feels impossible. And we just declare again your possibility in it to open our eyes to unveil treasure, to unveil the treasure that is you, to unveil the treasure that is hope, when we feel hopeless, to unveil the treasure that is patiently waiting while you're working. So God, we give you our surrender. We worship you, we wait on you. And God, I just say break in, break through. For yes, your name is Jesus and you are the Lord. So today as we leave this place, let us fix our eyes on you, who is indeed making everything new. And with that we say we trust you. We tell our souls, we trust you.